Welcome to That's Something Within, and I am so happy to be joined by Kathy Brown today. Um, in 1998, Kathy was the second woman in the UK to get a professional boxing license. She fought professional for 10 years and became ranked number three in the world, winning British and European titles on the way. She founded Boxology, an educational course on how to coach boxing safely. And she has a unique way of combining boxing with CBT to help people become stronger mentally. Kathy and Greg from Boxology came out to Kurdistan region of Iraq to train the Lotus Flowers Boxing Sisters to become coaches too. Welcome, Kathy. Hello. Hi. <laughs> How are you today? I'm great. I'm so excited to have this chat with you. I know. I've been excited all morning. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I'm very lucky to know Kathy from um, the Lotus Flower and uh, Boxing Sisters. And so we have a journey already, but yes. I will get Kathy to maybe if you can introduce yourself a little bit and just tell us about your journey. Right. OK, so my journey starts a long, long time ago. So it's like Star Wars, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> a long time ago and a galaxy far beyond. Um, so when I was, um, obviously, I was. When I was a little baby, um, it was back in the 70s where if you were pregnant outside of wedlock um, in the Catholic religion, you were made to give up your baby um, because it, was, it brought embarrassment onto the family. So my biological mother was made to live in a convent for a while um, until she'd given birth to me. And then I was popped in an orphanage um, so I could be given to another Catholic couple because it was their sort of their rule that if you're Catholic and you, you go to this adoption agency, you've got to then be given to another Catholic couple. So I was brought up by these two adopted parents um, of, of mine who were, who were beautiful and they brought me up really well. And they gave me, obviously, taught me about manners and morals, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But there was always something missing when I was younger. And um, I felt that I didn't belong anywhere. Um, and they did everything they possibly could to to make me feel comfortable. I mean, obviously, it's a different kind of love when you when you're being loved by um, someone who are not your biological parents. Is how I feel. Um, so I never had that strong sort of connection with them. But they, they, you know, they were great and they did the best that they could. But I still felt that there was something missing. I had a void. I, I almost felt that I wasn't worthy. And um, so I grow up sort of feeling this way. And back in the seventies, you were sort of not encouraged to speak about anything, <laughs> and you and you everything. If you did bring a, an issue up that was perceived to be a mental health issue, it was kind of brushed under the carpet, and oh, you'd be all right. And you know, it's um, life has changed so much since then with people sort of now speaking about issues, which is really really good. So obviously, I grew up with this sort of this inner sort of anger and this inner sort of misunderstanding of my emotions um consequently um I was quite an angry little girl and punched the wall a few times and threw a lot of things and it it, it wasn't very pleasant I mean I wasn't sort of um I wasn't that bad that I brought police around in my mum's or anything like that but I just had this inner sort of inner fire um mm -hmm. so unfortunately when um when I was 15 I'd sort of met this older guy and he um, he played on the fact that I had no confidence and my steam was like rock bottom and, 
so he, he could really see sort of my, my vulnerabilities and um, he really played on that. And I, I ended up in a really horrible, abusive relationship for two years. Um, he mentally abused me. He physically abused me. And I, I didn't actually quite know what to do. I didn't want to sort of speak to my mum and dad about it because I felt that they were going to give me up again. And, you know, I would bring a shame onto the family after everything sort of they, everything they'd done for me. And so I kind of suffered in silence with this horrible relationship for a two-year period. And it's only when I went to university at Newcastle that I um, I spoke to someone about it, a friend that I made there. And they sort of made me feel like, this is not right. This is not how you should be, be treated, that this man is abusing you. And um, so I ended the relationship and I, I was brave enough to uh, and to end it all. But then it's that's when it got really, really bad and he started sort of waiting outside sort of college for me. He'd sort of wait at night time hiding in bus stops. He'd wait by the garage where my mum and dad lived at night time because mum and dad were on shift work with, with their jobs. He used to try and break into the house and this went on for ages and I was terrified um, because I didn't know where he was going to pop up. Um, and I lived in fear for so long. I was so, so scared. And um, eventually, unfortunately, one day I didn't manage to get away from him and um, ended up in, in quite sort of aggressive rape uh, on, in this particular circumstance. And it, it was horrific. And I didn't know what to do. Again, I didn't I didn't tell anyone. I was really embarrassed, you know. I was... I felt quite weak and quite vulnerable and it was it was just a hideous sort of time for me because when you've got no one to talk to about it and you you feel like no one can empathize with you and you know you're you're a bit lost. So um I changed colleges and went to um actually ran away from home but not quite I kind of just changed colleges and went as far away from Newcastle as possible and to try and sort of find a new life and because I was just scared and I still, it still wasn't enough. I was still watching over my shoulder when I sort of moved. I went all the way down to Cheltenham and lived there and I finished off my studies there. Now, a guy that I met in college introduced me to kickboxing and he's, because he's not, he didn't know anything I'd been through, but he just said um, I was a little bit angry. (laughs) I call it assertiveness. (laughs) Um, And he felt that, he felt that I should start doing kickboxing, that it might actually calm me down a little bit. Um, So I started, I started kickboxing and it was, it was like, wow, I found something that it made me feel amazing and I found something that made me feel that I belonged somewhere and I started getting this increased feeling of self-worth and this was not because I could fight and I could knock people out or anything like that it was this 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 community that you you built up from there it was this this inner sort of strength that you had you you just it's a magical sort of feeling um that you get from sort of boxing and kickboxing so I fought for kickboxing for I had 25 fights at kickboxing, won a few titles. And then I was approached by a professional boxing uh, promoter and said, look, it's a small time. He just got his pro license. He was quite sort of sort of small sort of um, school. So he was like small shows rather than the bigger promoters. The bigger promoters refused to put women on full stop. So mm. I, he said, why don't you get your pro license? There's only other one other woman who is pro at the minute. So I said, okay, let's just go for it because I knew that 
I'd found this passion and this love for boxing and kickboxing. And I used to work as a, a forensic photographer for the police. So I studied sort of photography and then I worked for the police. And I decided if I was going to do this profession as a professional boxer properly, I had to give up my job and I had to change my career. And obviously, I had to really sit down and think about it because it was a big move. And it was not just a big move of mm. job. It was changing everything completely. And on top of that, there was so much opposition for women being um, allowed to be professional boxers. You know, there's a lot of sort of men saying that women shouldn't be allowed to box. And yeah, I was going to say, um, what challenges did you face as a woman in boxing? I mean, you know, there was a lot of gyms that wouldn't let me go and train there. The sorry, sorry, love, this is just for men. <laughs> Um, you're people saying you're far too pretty to box. Um, this, uh, this, they were coming out with silly statements about why women shouldn't be allowed to box. And one of the things they said was because we were unstable mentally because of our menstrual cycle, which was rather humorous. And, yeah. and then, you know, the bigger promoters refused to put us on. Nobody would sponsor me. And, uh, I didn't get any sort of like my, my biggest payday, which was on a, a huge world title stage. Um, I was fighting for a world title. The guy underneath me who was on my undercard was paid like half a million pounds. I mean, this is back in the early 2000s. And that literally, honestly, only got paid a couple of thousand pounds. But my fight was bigger. It was for a world title. But because I was female, the discrepancy was crazy wow. back then. But I was determined to sort of to do this. Now, my family had sort of... Also, my mum and dad had sort of said to me that if um, if I started boxing professionally, they were just going to um, not speak to me anymore. And I was an embarrassment to the family. They, after everything they'd given me, they brought me up with great morals and manners. And here I was throwing my career as a forensic photographer into the into the bin and, and being a fighter for a living. And they couldn't, they just couldn't comprehend it. So consequently, they never they never came to watch me fight. My family never came to support me. But you know, you know, when something Did you just lose feels connection with them. Yeah, well, I kept yeah. in touch because, you know, I felt it was the right thing to do, and you know, I ring them up and maybe pop up and see them two, maybe once or twice a year, which is, and that went on for about ten years, and mm. it was. But the relationship was so it was so difficult with my mum and dad. It was, is it. There was no real connection there. They didn't understand me. They didn't understand my mentality. The I was growing as a person so much um, and they they couldn't sort of comprehend that growth mindset that I was that I was looking into back then. <clears throat> I didn't quite understand it because it, there wasn't so much studies done back in the 2000s as they, there is now about like the growth fixed mindset and and you know being able to speak about how you were feeling about mental health so I was really sort of locked into that quite quite in the 2000s when I started boxing and kickboxing. It just allowed me to be able to express myself more calmly. It calmed me down. My anger wasn't there anymore. It, it, it gave me some clarity. And I, I was able to sort of really get in touch with myself through boxing and, and really understand myself as a person. And I think once you start doing that, you you, you can connect to everybody else and other things in life in the world. You, you just understand more. And I think a lot of people, as I was growing up, just didn't understand they just yeah. thought I was. I had complex issues, which I, which I did, but they were, but that, but I understood them, and actually, I was just starting to grow into 
someone who I was starting to like as opposed to someone who I didn't like when I was younger, if you know, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and the boxing helps you channel all the emotions. Yeah, you've got this outlet if it's um and it's not even punching people in the face because it sounds people think that boxing is aggressive and it is um because you are trying to um punch someone in the face but actually there's another bigger element to it like obviously I was fighting professionally but I teach so many people who are just coming to sort of to hit the pads and to hit the bag and they're not hitting each other they're just hitting an object but the, the release that you get from just hitting the pad is just phenomenal. It's so powerful. Mm. And it seems to be this sort of natural connection with people just wanting to talk about how they're feeling because it's, it's kind of coming out. It's like demons yeah. be gone, you know. It's, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's a magical thing, boxing. I think people look at it, it being a pure aggression and you just want to punch people in the face. I mean, maybe that was the case for me, but... There, there is so much more depth to boxing than that. And for many, many people, it gives them um, so much more clarity and calmness in life. Mm-hmm. And that nicely brings me on to boxology. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about boxology? Yeah, so um, um, so one of the things I just quickly mentioned from the other thing, the, the reason obviously I got into boxing was um, because as well, I didn't, I didn't want to ever feel controlled and abused like that again and bullied like that again by anybody not just a man but anybody so that really sort of um set me into this sort of real big sort of stride pattern of of making sure that would never happen to me again and then consequently I I designed sort of boxology because I I don't want others to feel that they could ever be bullied and controlled by anybody again and I know excuse me the power of boxing is huge um, I experienced it firsthand and to be able to coach boxing to someone is such a powerful tool to have and so I decided to to develop an education system and uh, which taught people how to hold pads and to be able to teach people that the, the, the sort of the skill set of boxing I mean it's it's it's, we've not designed something new. It's not a new fad of boxing. We've not created a new workout, which is this is a new style of hit training, for example. Mm. The, where where I've based boxology courses on is based on the Queensbury's rules, which is the old sort of set of rules where you know you were taught boxing, and this is why you're taught boxing this way. It's it's been what we're teaching has been taught in boxing for years and thousands of years. But it, it's just we wanted to put it into a format where it's it's coachable so we could just coach people. Here's, we're going to put you on this course. You're going to be able to coach someone boxing safely and effectively. And then, then you're going to be able to pass on that joy to somebody else. Oh, wow. Brilliant. I need to get my son to do this course. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've, we've, we've I mean, it's, it's easier now during, um, obviously, lockdown. We've ma- I've managed to sort of put it, it we, we were running the courses face to face. Um, obviously that's quite difficult in this day and age because we've been on lockdown with coronavirus. So I've developed it online. So we've um, managed to film over 150 um, coaching videos, about five to 10 minutes each one. And so you can active IQ, which are the sort of governing body in the UK for courses. They've endorsed the course. So you get CPD points. It's, it's recognized as a, a course online now. So, which is great. Um, so we we're, that will be launching in a couple of weeks. So I've kind of been head down, um, pushing through into that. 
That is one great way to use your lockdown time, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess the next thing that I wanted to ask was, what was that like aha moment where that something within was just switched on and you decided to incorporate CBT into boxing? Um, There's a few few moments. Actually, I've had so many aha moments. If I look back on it, obviously the aha moment with boxing was the first big one. And then the next big sort of aha moment, I suppose, came when I had to retire from boxing. And I was devastated. I can't, I can't even put into words sometimes to explain the darkness I felt within um, when I was told I wasn't allowed to box anymore because I had neural damage in my neck. And to be told that something that you've relied on for so many years, um, you're not allowed to do anymore, is... Um, it is just devastating. It just, I didn't know what to do. I really hit depth, depths of depression. Um, I got angry again. I was getting really, I was becoming a horrible person again. I was just, my tolerance levels were minus. You know, when I was coaching boxing in my classes, if anyone like even dared ask me a question about boxing, I'd sort of snap at them and like, how dare you ask that? You know, yeah. And it was, it, I, I wasn't enjoying that, that side of me. So, I needed to understand myself and the mental health sort of side of things even deeper as much as I'd gone through quite a lot. So I studied sports psychology um, and I studied cognitive behaviour therapy um, after that. And because I was finding that I was attracting a lot of clients as well um, who were going through hard times and wanted boxing um, to sort of as a release, but also what went hand in hand with that was they wanted to, they had this natural sort of want to talk about what they were going through. Um, and with that, um, you know, I started to use my, my sort of cognitive behaviour therapy with them so that you can have that incorporation of both. And I found that using that cognitive behaviour therapy and giving them homework to do in between sessions with sort of boxing I mean you could come and they could do a boxing session and actually feel great and just not even want to talk but they could sort of actually can we just have a quick chat before we start or in between the session in the middle of the session they might want to sort of talk about something and then I give them stuff to do in between and then sort of try and build up that strength and I was finding rather than just sitting in a, a therapy room and you know you, you sit in front of the therapist going okay now you can talk <laughs> it's, wow. it's it's I mean yeah. I don't know, a majority of people listening must have been in some sort of therapy because a lot of people have therapy in it. Therapy is a great, great thing. But sometimes sitting in front of someone and, and when you've never had therapy before and being told just to talk is quite daunting. Mm. So I found that when using the boxing to do it, um, the, the, the powerful connection between the two and, and the results I was seeing, it was just like, oh, I've got to start using this as a unique as a unique point for me because also, I really enjoy doing it. I really, um, I really enjoy helping people. So if I can sort of help someone come out of my hour session and say, "Oh my, I feel so much better. Thank you so much. I feel, I feel great." So in, in a way, I'm being really selfish because I'm getting, I'm getting a kick out of you, getting a kick out of me. If you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm making you feel better because I know that I want to feel. I get that sense of belonging and that sense of self-worth again something that I've been craving since I was a little baby and I still do now yeah I was going to ask has has your past experiences influenced or have anything to do with the way that you incorporate CBT in boxing Uh, uh, yeah absolutely I mean my my past my childhood the 
the abusive relationship I went in all still have an effect on me now. But, you know, not, sometimes in a bad way, but when it's in a bad way or a negative way, I, I understand it. I talk to myself. I, I, you know, I do self-therapy and I talk to myself. Just I could pretend if I was talking to myself as a friend, for example, what would I say to myself right now? And I'm aware of my complexities and I'm aware of they don't go away. And I think a lot of people feel that when you've been through things in life, you could just, you just want them to vanish and you want to hide them or, you you know, when you go to therapy, it all vanishes. Well, you know, it doesn't. And I think it's false advertising that people say that because at the end of the day, the complexities and the things you've been through in life make you who you are. Yeah. And that is what you should be proud of because if you've conquered all of these things through life – you should be really proud of how they've made you as a person. And I'm stronger as a person. Yes, I've still got my complexities for sure. Like I find it very hard to connect to people, you know, even now, you know, because of my adoption. And I still get moments of real bad self-doubt, you know, even creating Boxology. And we're about to launch online. I'm, I've still got self-doubt about launching it, even though I really do know what I'm doing. <laughs> and yeah. it's, but it's, it's a natural to have that self-doubt, but I'm still going through the process of launching it and I'm still sort of fearful because you know you've I've still got that thing inside me that little screaming thing going oh but what if it's not good enough you know and it, it but I'm aware of it and um yeah and I'm, I'll speak to it and go I, I know you're there and I know you've got some stuff out but you know it's going to be okay and, and it's going to work out and you're going to keep on going with this project and yes you might feel a bit paranoid at times, but it's fine, and it's normal to have that those feelings. That's, I mean, the awareness is absolute key. It's it's such a big factor in, you know, just traumas in general. As long as you're aware and you know the feelings, yeah. and you're able to address them. Um, that's key. But the way that you help other people that 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 must be so rewarding. Um, so that is going to move me on to. Um, coming to Kurdistan oh, with the latest yeah. flower. Mm. So this is so beautiful because um, with the lotus flower, we wanted to kind of take, start boxing, but, you know, the women and girls that we work with have, have faced extreme trauma. And um, so we wanted somehow to figure out how can we take boxing to the region, but for them to be trained. So it turns into like not just a mental health project, but also an income generating project. So we train the trainers because at the moment there are no boxing instructors that are women in the region. Um, and we were introduced to Kathy by Kindly, an organization that supports Lotus Flower. And I think it, as soon as we spoke, we were just like, oh, wow, this is amazing. Somebody who does CBT and boxing and understands trauma and does box. This, the universe could not have aligned any more perfectly. Um, so what's your take on that and how is your experience on that? That was another light bulb moment to ban. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when I met you, it was a light bulb moment and you brought and you, you said you wanted to do this project, the Boxing Sisters project. I was just like, like I'm in. Yeah. When do we go? When do we go to Kurdistan? When we go in, you and I just remember going, Oh, okay. And I think I don't know, maybe you thought I was just gonna do something, you know, help raise money and I was like, absolutely not, I wanna come out. I wanna I wanna meet these women. Um because these women to me are just they represent strength for me. I admire mm. these women and um 
it was almost a bit of a joke. You said, I'm going to go over and inspire them. I'm like, what are you on about? They're inspiring me, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because of the strength that they've, everything they've been through and um, the trauma and even still sort of the way they're having to live now and the, 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 the lack of support. And, and I really valued what the Lotus Flower was doing within these camps to really sort of help sort of build that sort of strong community and, not only that, sort of educate these women so they could sort of be self-sufficient. So it was just an absolutely 100% let's take boxology over to to the camps and let's teach these women how to coach boxing. And also they're not give, just giving back the beauty of, the, of boxing, but also being given them a, a skill set that they can carry on using. And that really means a lot to me. And um I am actually generally, me and Greg um, are both so excited about going back because going there and, and staying with the women for the, all for that week and sort of being enveloped in part of their life, you know, they were cooking for us. They were, you know, we, they were just, they were so warm and they were there every day. And I remember you going, oh, some of them probably won't show up and they'll never be on time. They were there waiting every day. It was just amazing. And I was really excited about about that. And I was excited at the end of I mean, every single yeah. day. It was it was like phenomenal from, from my side, definitely, and seeing the growth in the women because they actually had, like you said, an avenue to, to channel their trauma. And I think it's just been one of the most successful projects and really, really has helped um, channel their emotions. Yeah. Um, a lot of them are, you know, survivors of ISIS conflict. And so they've either been imprisoned by ISIS or sold on as sex slaves or um, other members of their family are or other members of their family are still missing or they've been de- killed in front of them. So they have experienced extreme trauma. And so those emotions are really stuck inside and the boxing has really given an avenue for that. And I've been so proud actually of the community, like the Kurdish community and the way that we've had zero backlash, like z- zero backlash when I say zero backlash to the fact that we bought boxing to women in the region. Nobody has, I've never had anything negative from anyone in the community. And I think it's because we, we did it in such a great sensitive way and we built trust with them that it's just, yeah, we can't wait for you guys to go back. I know. I just, it it was such a, like at the end of every day, I was just, I mean, poor Greg, because he's never experienced this before I mean I haven't but obviously I've been through a, a little bit of trauma and, and I, I always feel bad saying I've been through trauma when especially when you speak to these women and what they've been through because my trauma is nothing in comparison but I, but I would say you can't compare trauma sure I think no you, that's you're one right. thing is mm. everyone's trauma is in context to them yeah, so sure. yeah but poor Greg was he was in tears um at the end of the first day we went and we came back and we were sitting having something to eat and he just broke down and um and he had to leave the cabin at one point during that first day because it was just it it, it really it, it was so heartbreaking for him to hear stories and then obviously I told him about my story and he hates hearing that anyway so you know but he just connected with the women so much and they just loved I mean he's a big six foot four giant 
he's like a, he's the friendly giant <laughs> <laughs> and they were just all over him like they, they were all over him they just loved being in his presence which is so beautiful especially that you know everything they've been through with men um in the past and it's um so you know great we both connected with them all so beautifully yeah. and you know we, we we actually we were so sad sad to leave <laughs> like, shall we move well, over going back <laughs> yeah you'll be going back we shall be going back soon as soon as all this covid business is over yeah um I could literally talk to you for hours and hours (laughs) about everything. Um, I guess, so we're kind of coming close to an end, but I did want to ask you, um, so looking back at your aha moments, are you happy that you listened to them? And also, what advice would you give to listeners? The advice I'd give to listeners is, yes, it is really good to talk, but you have to sort of really be in touch with yourself because you as a person are hugely intuitive with what you should do. I didn't listen to anyone on, on my with, with regards to boxing, and I felt I followed my passion because I knew it was the right thing to do. Um, you've just got to try not to be influenced too much by others, um, and you've got to sort of take that time to get to know yourself. And once you know yourself, you know you can make the right decisions. Your intuition is so loud. You've just got to get in tune with it. And through the hard times, like the, all the hard times, even through my mum with dementia and my mum dying and my dad dying over the last few years, one thing I know that I have to do is put one foot in front of the other. Even through hard times, don't stop still. You have to keep moving forward. Yeah, that's great advice. Thank you. So where can people find you, find more about Boxology? So you can, for me, I mean, I've got a website which is kathybrown.co.uk kathy with a c um because everyone always spells it with a k drives me mad but then it's not that mad boxology.academy is uh, the boxology where you can find out about face-to-face and online courses and then that'll point you to um, all the other instagram which is kathy brown boxer with a c <laughs> And uh, so we need to keep an eye out for the launch that's coming out soon. Yes, the launch. I'm hoping it's my 50th birthday on the 28th. So um, I'm hoping Happy it's birthday. all going to be launched um, by then because that's my that's my little goal. I mean, I'm up with about sort of presents and stuff, but I'd like to sort of get the online launch. So um, I'm saying three weeks will be up and launched on the online courses. Yay, <laughs> definitely. That's brilliant. Oh, thank you so, so much, Kathy. That was like, absolutely beautiful. Um, thank you for having me. Keep up the awesome, awesome work. You're so inspiring. And I think um, this is just a start of another journey. So watch this space. <laughs> thank you.